Fresh from a not-so-Super Bowl halftime show, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that wishes it had a twin podcast to play with. He can draw a square with only three lines. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for another exciting, thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I can't tell you how happy I am that you are here with us today. And um, if you'll pardon my slight belch, I took a little cough syrup before the uh, podcast recording began so that I would not embarrass myself with unprofessional conduct behind the microphone. Anyway, it's wonderful to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. We're on the right side of the grass, all of us. Uh, if you're listening to this, that means you're still with us. And uh, I am in beautiful, sunny Arizona. It's probably going to be another hot day. They're talking about about 100 degrees for the next few days, and then it's going to cool off into the 90s. I don't expect that to last because August is one of the hot summer months. But we had a massive, massive rainstorm that just showed up, pounded the whole Phoenix area for probably two hours, and then moved out of the area and left behind about an inch and a half of rain and all kinds of flooding and uh, silt on the roads and gravel on some of the roads and rocks on other parts of the roads and washes that just continued to run like creeks. That's one thing about living in Arizona. If a storm comes through and if it dumps enough rain, you're going to find your life is a little bit interrupted for a few days until they can clean everything up because the rainwater here does not soak into the ground. If we were up north in uh, Randy's, Nebraska, or in my Illinois, uh, that rainwater would basically uh, just uh, soak in and fertilize or, you know, feed the uh, plants and the crops and all that stuff. In the desert, it just runs off like it's uh, like it's landing on concrete. So anyway, I did not thank Drew McMillan, my Canadian nephew, for his fine introduction. I don't know what he said. I'm hoping it wasn't insulting. I'd like to think that he pointed out that I am your Medicare expert, and we are here to help you feel good about that eventual transition from Obamacare to Medicare. And it is one of the things in life, it's a rite of passage that people go through when they reach a certain age. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's like a bris. It's more like a, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Jewish equivalent of turning 13. Uh, and I, you know, I should remember the, the terminology for it. I just don't have occasion to use it. But I will say that um, it is uh, a rite of passage that will reach uh, most people when they're in their middle 60s and if they're working and on their company, employ uh, their employer-sponsored health insurance plan, they don't even have to think about Medicare until they're ready to leave their employment and uh, retire. So that's when Medicare is going to become a an event for them. In the meantime, we are here to um, help people feel pretty good about it. And the way we do that is we encourage people to read my book called Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022 Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. You can go to uh, barnesandnoble.com and pick up the paperback 
with colored illustrations for about nine bucks. You can go to Amazon.com, which is what I most often suggest, and you'll find it there in the paperback version with black and white illustrations. With uh, You'll find the uh, hardcover version of the book. You'll find the audio book if you'd rather listen, and you'll find the Kindle version of the book if you'd rather read it on your device. And all of those things are very reasonably priced because I'm not trying to make any money with the book. I'm just trying to get a message out. So hopefully after a short period of time, you will have absorbed enough Medicare knowledge to make you the expert in your neighborhood. Maybe the expert in your whole district or whatever we call it. I guess we have counties in most places. So that's what you should look forward to being once you have read my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022. And a new thing appeared um, on the 31st of July. Uh, it was it was a one-star review written by somebody who apparently was sputtering because it didn't make any sense like most one-star reviews in my book, but I found it to be highly entertaining. And so kudos to whoever the person is who left that one-star review, just sputtering about my book without really having any real complaint. I would have preferred a real complaint, and then I could have fixed it for the 2023 edition. So about this time in most of our, many of our podcasts, I asked Randy if he won't play the um, uh, 30 second radio spot that we have used for a few years to alert people to the fact that we're here and we're ready to help them. And Randy always says, well, I would play that 30 second radio spot if you would just shut the heck up. So I'm going to shut the heck up right now and you'll get to hear the radio spot. Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Okay. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it once again. And uh, you're always Johnny on the spot with that. And frankly, you do a lot of things that make this podcast sound very professional, uh, helping me pronounce words properly and, and enunciate is not one of those, but I'm always glad to have you here with us anyway. How are you today? I'm good. I, uh, I was going to make a comment on something that uh, might sound a little odd to people on the podcast, but earlier, just a few minutes ago, or, or maybe when it was, we were talking, I don't remember. I don't remember. We got an inch and a half of rain. Uh huh. Okay. Well, an inch and a half of rain, as you know, in Illinois or Nebraska is, you know, just wetting your whistle. Sure. But out here, it's like, okay, you better go build your ark now. <laughs> yeah. We've got a huge wash just north of us. And so I yeah. was looking at Mary looked out the window and said, there's a an emergency light flashing back there on an emergency vehicle. I think what they did was they sent a truck over with its lights flashing to stop people from driving into the grapevine wash. Yeah. That is that is one big ass wash, and you could yeah. you could bury a lot of people and cars in that thing. And I think they just wanted to stop people before they drove into it. Well, that's where I I suppose you know this, but the people on the podcast would not know it. We have a stupid motorist uh, law in Arizona that it's you know what it says, but ultimately there's a sign that you know after you know with the washes are running and everything else is running the the. Department of Transportation will come out and put a sign in front of a wash that's gone across the road. 
and which is not uncommon, as you know, and they'll say, do not cross. Okay, well, <laughs> if you do that, <laughs> if you decide that your Humvee is so powerful and so wonderful that it can get across that wash, go your, for it. Or your Suzuki Samurai. <laughs> That's right. Any of those, you you can go, you're, you're free to try. Yeah. But if the if somebody has to come drag you out, they will invoke the stupid motorist law. And guess what gets charged to you? Yeah, tow, you get the bill. The tow truck. Yeah, the tow truck bill. Because, or the you know, helicopter for, bill. We well, have the, seen. Yeah, yeah, the helicopter can too. Yeah. And what people don't think of out here is that if it doesn't matter whether you got a Humvee or a tank. If the wheels or the tracks are not on the ground, <laughs> you got no traction. You got nowhere to go, buddy. Yeah, so it is. A- I I always get a kick out. Of, you know, every every time after a big rain, you know, on the on the news, I always sit down very, you know, like a kid with a candy. Oh, sure. And and, and wait for the stupid motorist, uh, you know, videos to come on. It used to be. I don't know if it still happens now because I don't watch a lot of broadcast television. But it used to be that every channel had a news. Their news department would make a special show at the beginning of monsoon every summer, and they yeah. would show you how to survive in Arizona during the summertime, which seems like a no brainer. Just go inside where the air conditioning is. But I remember one very vividly uh, that showed you how long scorpions can live without food. I don't know what the hell that had to do with the weather, but there was another segment of one of these uh you know it was like a, a channel five or whatever uh, newscast and they showed you how to leap from your car rather than stepping out of it and getting electrocuted if you had wires draped over your car oh yeah that's always good and the guy it did it will... about 10 times <laughs> let me show you again <laughs> leap you must leap from your car i'll tell you well and that's that's I'm sure a very good idea to get if you've got wires draped over your car. But, uh, you know, I would also think that if it was some of those high voltage transmission lines, yep. that it didn't matter how far you leapt, no. you weren't going to make it. Absolutely not. It's uh, some things are you're just not going to survive. Uh, but if you stayed in your car, perhaps until help came, that might be a solution. Yeah. Well, I'm not uh, a, I'm not a, a high line expert here, but I believe that some of those high line, uh, high voltage transmission lines across the state, yep. I think they're I think they're running somewhere around thirty two thousand volts. Oh yeah, my next door neighbor is a high tension line uh, guy from New York, and he yeah. he has the you know being a union guy in New York, he has the wherewithal to buy a house, a brand new house in Arizona, and then never come visit it. It just sits ah. empty the whole time. So I get, I get, you know, uh, taken, I have to, uh, take care of things that go wrong. He had a Vega, you know, these logs that stick out from our, our Tahoe's, uh, Tahoe, Tahoe, uh, style houses, our New Mexico style houses have like fake logs that stick out from the walls. And one of his just fell off in that storm we had the other day. So now I got to find a guy to put a new one back up there. And then he's, you know, he's got another, another, uh, uh, one right next to it. So we've got to do two of them. So they match in color. So they match. Yeah. 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 And then as long as the guy's here, I'll probably have them do mine. So I don't have to worry about them in future years. Um, Hey, listen, I forgot to to, uh, mention something. I'm going to be a guest on another person's podcast. Now the name of the podcast 
And it's out there all over the place. All you have to do is Google it if you want to listen. It is Little Joe's Conservative Corner. And I think what he's going to do is uh, he's going to talk to me about Medicare. But when I volunteered to be a guest on his podcast, he wasn't that excited because he said, hmm, Medicare, that's not really an exciting subject. And I said, well, I'll (laughs) let you know there is a fraud, a massive fraud that's being perpetrated on the members of the American public that are that are becoming eligible for Medicare. And I said, your listeners, if you have any in that age bracket might be interested in hearing about it. And he said, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And then a couple of days later, I got an email from him. He said, that's very intriguing. So I'm looking forward to being on his podcast. However, I don't know whether it's going to be, I think he just started a YouTube channel. And so I believe his podcast, he has a lot more uh discipline than we do he ends his podcast pretty close to the 30 minute mark and uh, we kind of ramble all over the place but his um i believe he has started videotaping his encounters on uh, and posting them on youtube and so i'm going to be on a zoom call with him and i think he's going to put the video recording on youtube i won't know that until uh i talk to him or until next week but uh little joe's conservative corner or it might be little joe's cc on youtube but anyway so this guy is uh very interesting he's uh, a conservative as am i uh what i do in my podcast is i admonish randy that uh, we're not going to stick it in anybody's faces unless we have to because we want to be all inclusive and uh welcoming to uh, our uh, all of our listeners up uh- to a certain point. That's right. One of the points Randy mentioned earlier today was man buns. He will not tolerate anybody no, in the audience no, with a man bun. We are never, never going to accept man buns. Okay. Well, for those of you in the audience, I said, okay, the way, the only way I would accept that is if you trimmed it off and handed me your man card at the well, same time. Yeah, we don't have to worry about Joe. He is apparently bald as a cue ball, and he describes himself as being um, six foot four. Weighs about uh, four bucks. So I'm glad we're not going to be in a wrestling match. But anyway, I, I've well, that's enjoyed- why they call it. That's Little Joe, right? That's why there they call go. him Little Joe. That's where he got the nickname. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I'll be recording Friday morning. If it goes well, I'm sure he'll post it uh, next week sometime. I'll be able to tell you more about where to go find that episode. So I had some some assistance, some editorial assistance with the uh, subject matter that we're delving into today. Um, And I have uh, some yellow highlighter, which is normally not on the material that I'm going to address during the podcast episode, because typically I just read, start reading and I stop when I get bored or I stop when I think I've run out of the important subject matter. But in this case, uh, I had an editorial assistant who not only highlighted pertinent, important parts of this article, uh, the title of the article is The Ambulance Chased One Patient Into Collections. And uh, she suggested that I use the title for the episode, Should I Get Into the Ambulance? Question mark. And it, uh, I looked ahead a little bit, and it's about some people in St. Charles, Illinois, which is where I happen to live when I'm not allowed to live in Arizona. Normally, that would be during the summer, but this summer, I'm a homeless bum in Illinois, so I can't even live there in this particular summer. Maybe next year, my house will be ready. We don't know. Uh, they tell me the insulation was being, the uh, spray foam insulation was being installed 
uh, this week. So I guess that's progress. They can start doing drywall after that. Anyway, so let me start reading the highlighted areas of this article. In retrospect, Peggy Dula said she should not have taken the ambulance. She was the least injured of three siblings who were in a car when it was struck by a pickup truck last September. Her daughter had even offered to come to the crash site and pick her up. This article is, uh, is just a week old. It was uh, late July of 2022. So Jim Martins, 62, and Cynthia Martins, age 63, Peggy's brother and sister, were more seriously hurt and were on the way to the hospital in separate ambulances. I can tell you that there's only one hospital near St. Charles, Illinois. It's a very fine institution, uh, but it is... Um, kind of out in the country and it takes a while to get there. So an ambulance ride is almost a necessity if you're in a car accident. Anyway, Peggy, age 55, was told that it would be a good idea for her to get checked out too. So she accepted a ride with a third ambulance crew. So uh, let's see, when the wreck happened, the siblings were going to see horses that Peggy's daughter trains at a barn west of Peggy's home in St. Charles, Illinois, about 45 miles outside of Chicago. It's more like 35 to 38 miles. Peggy, who was driving on unfamiliar country roads, well, those are the safest kind to be driving on if, if, you're, if you don't know where you are. Uh, she pulled into an intersection, mistakenly thinking it was a four-way stop. That was the first thing I learned in driver's ed. Look for the controls. Look for the signs that indicate what you're supposed to do when you get to an intersection. So then she said a truck slammed into the car's side, spinning it into an electrical box. Cynthia, who wasn't wearing a seatbelt in the back seat, spent five days in the hospital with brain bleed, uh, a cracked rib and a bruised lung. Jim also had fractured ribs, which he learned days later, only after he was back home in Tampa, Florida. Peggy, now she's the one, she's our heroine, Peggy Dula. She was a little stunned, but mostly unhurt as three ambulances descended on the crash site, alerted by 911. She was seen briefly in an emergency room and went home with just a bruised sternum, grateful that she had dodged major industry, uh, injury. And there's a picture of Peggy and kind of looks like a truck ran over her. But um, uh, anyway, in the caption of this picture, after accepting an ambulance, sorry, well, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, so the total bill for Peggy, who works in a fine jewelry store in Geneva, Illinois, and I believe I've been in that store, the total bill for her ambulance ride was $3,606. And if she was on the west side of St. Charles, that's where the, the hospital is. So it really could not have been that long a ride from the, the accident. Uh, let's see. Pingree Grove, which is uh, near Elgin-ish and uh, St. Charles-ish, Pingree Grove and Countryside Fire Protection District serves more than 50 square miles near Elgin, Illinois. Um, let's see. All three siblings were charged for the same service. Uh, advanced Life Support Emergency Level 1, I guess is what they call the service. It is code for transportation by a ground ambulance in response to a 911 call, and it can include medical services as simple as just an assessment. All three were also charged a mileage fee. Jim and Cynthia were billed for 15 miles. Peggy was billed for 14 miles. But because they rode in separate ambulances, each from a different nearby fire protection district, they were billed three separate amounts. Uh, 
Cynthia, Cynthia was billed $1,250. $1,100 of that was for life support and $10 per mile. Her ambulance service was the Burlington Community Fire Protection District. Jim, he's the guy from Tampa, he was billed $1,415. $1,265 of that was for life support and $10 per mile. His uh, ambulance ride was provided by the Hampshire Fire Protection District. Peggy, our heroine, was billed $3,606, $3,186 for life support. Remember, she didn't even think she was going to have to go to the hospital, and she said, oh, what the heck, I'll go. And she was billed $30 per mile by Pingree Grove and Countryside Fire Protection District. And, um, wow. So how could charges for the exact same service vary so widely? Is the question. That's the question of the day. The simple answer is that these bills are all made up. Said a doctor, a surgical resident at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. What does he know about St. Charles, Illinois? He's also a former research fellow at the University of Michigan. So anyway, um, in a paper published in the Journal of Health Affairs, uh, some research found that 71% of ambulance rides were out of network. Uh Uh-huh. So if you've got a health plan with a network of doctors and hospitals and you wind up in an ambulance that doesn't belong to your network, there's going to be a much larger charge than you might have been expecting. So um, the ambulance services were not bound by a rate that was negotiated in advance with the insurance company, and they could basically charge whatever they wanted. But for patients with private insurance, like Peggy, the Fire Protection District bills patients directly for the balance not covered by their insurance. This is known as balance billing, Um, and it's for uh, people who live outside of the district. Now, Congress took aim at balance billing with the No Surprises Act, which went into effect January 1st. The law limits the patient's responsibility for most surprise bills, such as those from an out-of-network anesthesiologist who puts a patient to sleep for surgery at an in-network hospital, or for a ride in an air ambulance, almost all of which are privately owned. But ground ambulances were controversially exempt from the law, even though ground ambulance rides are far more common. Of the 1,500,000 ambulance rides in uh, the study, nearly 98% were by ground ambulance. Uh, So this person suspects that ground ambulances got special treatment because federal lawmakers felt a need to tread lightly around their relationships with local governments. Peggy said her insurer, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, deemed the reasonable and customary rate for the service Peggy received to be $1,892, let's say $1,900. But she was really charged $3,600. So it applied $400 to her deductible and then paid almost $900, 60% of the balance, leaving Peggy with a balance of their charge, $2,700. Peggy challenged the balance with paramedic billing services. Uh, Peggy said her subsequent calls to Pingree Grove and Countryside have gone unanswered. Let's see. I'm willing to pay $354, she said. Uh she compared her charges to her sister and brother's charges. Remember, they went from the same accident site to the same ambulance, or excuse me, hospital emergency room. The takeaway was getting into an ambulance involves financial risk. Your health may demand it, 
but your wallet may suffer. So understand your options. Obviously, if you're seriously hurt in an accident, you have no way to figure out whether the ambulance that turns up is in your network. However, if you feel well, just a bit banged up or with a laceration from a car crash or a fall from a bike, remember this. You do not have to get in just because an ambulance rolls up. They arrive because they've been informed of an accident by police or because a bystander has called 911. Calling a friend or a car service like Uber or Lyft to drive you to a doctor, urgent care, or a hospital emergency room could save you thousands of dollars. And please do seek timely follow-up care on any possible head injury. So the whole point is, if they say, ma'am or sir, we've got an ambulance here, and we know you're not hurt badly, but why don't you hop in the back and we'll just take you right over to the hospital emergency room. They'll check you out. You've got insurance probably won't cost you a thing. Turns out it will cost you a bunch. If you walk to the ambulance, I've always been told, don't walk to the ambulance and get in yourself. Always make them put you in that little rolling bed and uh, let them put you in the ambulance. That makes it more of a medical necessity. And it should mean that you are liable for a smaller portion of that very large ambulance bill. So I think that's a uh, Almost like doing a public service, Randy, for people that might wind up having to take an ambulance ride and might not give it two thoughts. Uh, they could get oh, uh, punched in the pocketbook. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people, you know, to be truthful about it, they wouldn't know that if an ambulance shows up, they're not required to do anything. Right. Other yeah. than sh thank them and shake their hand and send them on their way. <laughs> yeah, and they don't even have to shake their hands if they don't want to touch no. them, but some of those guys are kind of creepy, but they're all, you know, they're they're generally speaking, a lot of them work for private ambulance services and they're like commissioned salesmen. You know, if they if they go out on a call and come back without having generated any revenue for the company, I think they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. They well, they are definitely going to be disappointed if they don't bring something back. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, if they look around and, and it's not a bunch of dead bodies and they can't just snatch one of them, then uh, they're going to have to either ask permission politely of uh, the walking wounded or, you know, just turn around and drive back to the station. Yeah. yeah. So that's our that good, hit, hit I, for that, today. That's a, that, was, that was a good public service announcement because I'll, I'll bet you 10 bucks. Maybe even more, I'll bet you, that a lot of people would think, well, the ambience is here. I got to go. Absolutely. This this woman got suckered into it, Peggy Dula. She wound up uh, paying $3,600. She was the least hurt. She needed an yeah, ambulance. She got least the biggest bill. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So I imagine well, that's we conversation. Need to, we probably need to sign off. We have used up our time, our guests, oh, and a lot of other things. All right. So... We need to thank the audience. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate it. You could have been, oh, I don't know, a dozen different places, and you weren't. You were here with us, Doug Jones and the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, listening to us, and we have a lot more fun when you're here than when you're not. So you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, now residing up in the mountains, clear above the snow line in Cave Creek, Arizona. Bye-bye.